0: Hello, and welcome to the MPA Futures Group podcast. Welcome to the MPA Futures Group's podcast. If you're listening in for the first time, my name is Henry Marsden. That's so good to have you here this is the first episode you've come across I'd encourage you to check out some of the other episodes live in our feed and available of course on all major streaming platforms. Last time out we had a brilliant exploration of the career and wisdom of industry exec Sylvia Montello of Audio Network so if you haven't heard that one already I'd make sure it's queued up for you uh, ready for after you have listened to this episode. For today though my question to you is do you know your NFT from your DAO? Or your token from your staking mechanism. Today, of course, we are looking at everything in the intersection of music publishing and Web3. Super interesting interview that I think you'll really enjoy, but more on that in a little bit. This podcast is provided by the Futures Group of the MPA, the Music Publishers Association. The Futures Group's remit is to support and encourage professional development, regardless of background, for those looking to take their first steps into a career in music publishing and for those wanting to grow through the industry into executive positions. As you probably well know, music publishing is a complex and often opaque part of the music industry. This podcast is just one of the initiatives the Futures Group has to encourage and support younger members into fulfilling and successful careers in music publishing. The Futures Group is part of the WIDER MPA, a fantastic organisation championing the cause of music rights holders all the way through from independents to major companies. So head over to mpaonline.org.uk to get involved with both the MPA and to find out a little bit more about us, the Futures Group, as well. So for this episode, I had a sit down and catch up with my great friend Dan Fowler. Dan has worked at PRS, PRS for Music, uh, and also at a blockchain Web3 startup called Jack, uh, most recently at Ice. So he's got an unparalleled perspective on how Web3 is having an impact and will have a, an impact in the future on music publishing. He has an awesome high level strategic view of where Web3 is at and also where it's moving towards when applied to music and the music industry. And I found it deeply fascinating kind of picking this apart with him. I hope that you get lots from it. Um, I'll pick up on some of his points uh, and also the resources that he mentions afterwards. So for now, you can just sit back, relax, and enjoy a conversation with Dan Fowler. Why don't you start by introducing yourself? I could introduce you, but it's more fun <laughs> if you introduce yourself. You, you know yeah. more about you than I do.
1: Hopefully, yeah. Um, <laughs> although we do go a long way back.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we should actually premise this by saying, Dan and I met at university, studying nothing to do with music. It's far too long ago now. Yeah, long, long <laughs> enough ago that makes me feel very old.
1: Yeah, we, uh, we were designing planes at university, which has got nothing to do with uh, music. But here we both are. <coughs> after, after, after I finished uh, learning how to design planes, I did nothing of the sort and uh, went to go and work in, uh, in the city um, doing sort of strategy consulting. So I did that for about four years got to the end of that road in terms of sort of making rich people richer and decided I wanted to go and get into something I actually care about which was the music industry. Went to go and work in strategy at PRS, uh, PRS Music. In my time there I kind of decided that the thing that interested me the most was more the kind of like technical innovation side of music and so I kind of position myself into a role where I was interfacing with startups as they came through uh, w- whilst doing all sort of like corporate strategy stuff as well. So I got a pretty good grounding in terms of how sort of PROs work and publishing works and all that kind of thing. And, uh, and yeah, so then one of the startups I was working with was a startup called Jack, J-A-A-K, um, which was looking into blockchain and crypto and, you know, all that emergent stuff which is in about 2016, something like that. So then I, I left PRS and went to work with that startup doing uh, strategy and operations and research and you know, working for a sort of early stage startup. You kind of do everything. And so rode that out for a while. Um, that was in sort of like the first quote unquote wave of crypto. And then towards the end of that, um, there were a few things that were just like insurmountable challenges, um, which I then went back into the industry to try and fix from the inside a bit. So I spent a couple of years at ICE um, ICE services, which is the sort of the joint venture between PRS and Music, Gamer and Stim, which focuses on um, licensing, processing, copyright for European licensing. And uh, yeah, when I, when I was working there, sort of my the big challenge I set myself was, can I try and make data and rights more available to people who want to use them? And then, about uh seven months ago, something like that um so just before summer last year, um I left ice and kind of gone out on my own. I guess researching is probably one way of putting it. I'm not really sure I, I have no idea what to tell my parents you know <laughs> like, um, uh, I guess i'm I'm just trying to learn um so so yes, yeah, so that's kind of what I've been doing for the past uh, past bit of time, and I'm gonna continue doing for a little bit of time until. I realized I probably need to get a job and then.
0: (laughs) Presumably, that's all kind of based around like crypto, Web3, blockchain sphere.
1: Yeah. I mean, that wasn't my sole intention when kind of stepping out. It was more about trying to take a, I guess, like when you work in strategy, like you're always doing it within the context of the business that you're working in. And so I wanted to try and take a step back and do sort of more overall strategy i guess so i guess thinking about the hard problems from a position where you you, you're not compromised Mm. um and so that that was kind of the starting point obviously the backdrop of the last year has been crypto has blown up again and i've got a pretty strong foundation in that from the work that i've done before um and so naturally that's kind of led a lot of the thinking i've been doing over the past year
0: has that has that always interested you is that kind of been consistent theme as your career has progressed or is it something that's developed
1: yeah i mean i think what what interests me is 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 trying to think a bit more contrarian and and trying to think about you know things work in a certain way but why and actually could they work in a different way you know naturally questions that crypto are asking are are very much in that lane and so that's that's kind of why it interests me i guess
0: so maybe before we dive in a bit more on the crypto stuff it sounds like you've come at it from more like a assessing where there are issues and where those those need attention So, what what do you kind of consider some of those music industry music publishing problems
1: so i mean i think one of the biggest problems is is money and a how much money has been generated in the music industry um, which i think i'd argue is pretty low compared to relative to other industries relative to the amount of people engaged in it relative to the sort of cultural significance of it and so thinking to why that's the case and and, and how that could be done better, um, I think is is one of the big hard problems. Another problem, I think, is probably complexity, particularly in publishing. And that's why I think publishing is such an interesting part of music because it's so complex, right? It's like from any work, there is such a sort of mesh of ownership and rights and all that kind of thing. And so trying to build any system that does that accurately is just really, really, really difficult. Obviously. You know, the work I was doing at ICE was looking at that from trying to work out how to how to do that as well as possible. And I guess that's kind of that's kind of the key phrase here, really. You know, there is no truth um, mm. in it, sort of like in the rights picture. All there is is a as good as possible view that has as much support as possible of the claims that people are making within it. But that 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 for me makes it a really, really complex problem. Um, if
0: if you unpick that a bit do you think we can ever get to a full picture of quote-unquote truth
1: well no I don't think so I I, because I don't I think that I think that for any view of truth there will still be people who disagree with it and so it's always going to be a relative view of, uh, of a collective agreement I guess so yeah it's 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 really really difficult right I mean there there will always be disputes there will always be counterclaims there will always be you know um a difference of opinion around things that have happened in the past um and so like this this kind of view of rights is always going to be a a living picture and the challenge is to try and make something that's workable and uh, uh is as accurate as possible
0: yeah if you see the first problem as overall value capture you know mm-hmm. you mentioned kind of cultural significance and particularly Music industry as compared to other media industries. Uh, and then the second problem as delivering that value to the people that create it. Yeah. Um, which would you tackle first? I mean,
1: obviously they're very interlinked. I think that, um, but I think the first one is the one that will always have more support around it and be easier to tackle. I think the problem with the second piece, i.e., the sort of the rights picture piece is that the incentive to change there is really hard to, um, to align people around because, you know, and, and this is not to say that sort of like the biggest stakeholders are doing anything wrong, but, you know, from the biggest stakeholders position, it's kind of working. And so therefore, the amount of effort that would be required to build something different, it's really hard to make that incentive, to align those incentives around each of the parties and, you know, and this is what we were trying to do at Jack, was trying to build a decentralized rights network, um, i.e. a rights network that that works better and is less dependent on s- certain central parties. But making that argument is really difficult until there's more value coming in. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and so therefore, that's why I think they're linked. And so therefore, that's why, for me, the first one is is the most important thing, is how do we grow the music industry? Because as soon as the music industry is worth more money, um, then these sort of like fuzzy areas of rights become more valuable. And mm. so there becomes more of a business case around actually fixing
0: them. Do you think that also makes them more contentious?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely, it, obviously there's good and bad, but if, if things are contentious, then then at least there's more interest around them. And I think that's one one of the big challenges with rights is nobody cares. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> people, people talk about it a lot, but it's really hard to make people to act- care enough to actually change things.
0: What, why is that i'm pick, pick that
1: bit i think it's, it's really because it it, it works for, for for most of the money going through the industry um you know like people people are getting paid at the moment and so so to to propose something radically different it requires um an upsurge in interest from parties that aren't involved in that and you know and another element to that is how complicated it is um you know if you are a a developer who's interested in the music industry but hasn't worked in the music industry, it takes you at least a year, probably two years, to actually understand how publishing mm. rights work. Um, and if you if you if if you set up a startup to look at that, then that's your runway. Mm. Um, so by by the end of your sort of like first round of runway, runway being the money that you've raised to to run the company, um, by the by the end of that time, you've just about understood how this stuff
0: works. And then you're out of cash. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So can you just like? de jargon web3 crypto blockchain just what's the distinction between those terms
1: yeah absolutely um and that's also also an almost impossible task battle track <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> because
1: in any emergent area of technology there's kind of like different um views on what things mean and you know like words get used around fuzzy areas and then certain people take but anyway i'll I'll try blockchain is a um a, a new way of sharing value across um distinct parties it's uh the most simple way of explaining it which we used to say at jack was it's a giant spreadsheet in the sky um it's essentially google sheets but anybody can update it and uh, you can have more trust in the fact that it's right basically a a blockchain it's a chain of blocks within each block people will write transactions um and then they all add up to something that makes sense at the end that's kind of what it means um and then people then built on that in various different ways crypto is cryptocurrency um so it's idea of spinning up coins that people can transact between each other which can mean a myriad of different things you know bitcoin being just a A financial transaction um but ethereum was invented uh, or was launched so in i think 2015 2016 which is when i started getting interested in this area and uh, the point of uh, ethereum was uh, essentially decentralizing computer power so that you could start building applications on top of this idea of shared value or or decentralized sharing of value. And then Web3 is a term which is is essentially a rebrand of crypto that's become more popular in this latest wave of interest. The, The core idea, I think the best way that I've seen Web3 described is if Web1 allowed you to read things, if Web2 allowed people or anyone to write things, i.e. to share, then Web3 allows anyone to own things on the internet. And uh, and that's that's kind of the the premise that people are trying to build on. But in my mind, crypto and Web3 are basically interchangeable. I think like Web3 has been a bit of a rebrand. But in reality, it's all about individuals being able to transact with each other freely without a central party, thinking through things you can build on top of that.
0: So what is uh, an NFT?
1: A non-fungible token. So if uh, if Bitcoin, Ethereum, or, or all the other cryptocurrencies you've heard of are fungible tokens, i.e. Um, there's, if there's a thousand of them, if you have one of those thousand, you can change that for another one of the thousand, and it's still the same. A non-fungible token is if there's a thousand of them, each one of those thousand are different, and uh, and so they have different values between them and uh and so how's that been used in terms of the context they have once seen over the past year people people have essentially created nfts uh, associated with things that they've sold so the nft itself is essentially just a contract or a a token and uh, and people have attached that to things like art or music or or whatever um and sold it um and then people bought them and and then resold them or held onto them because they think they have value and that that's what that whole thing is it's an incredibly emergent area which um started in development about about four years ago i mean it, nfts aren't new they weren't really called nfts before they were called sort of digital collectibles or whatever <clears throat> over the past year it's become an incredibly popular area of development but yeah that's the, essentially what it, essentially what they are, are digital collectibles yeah um and then, again one of the interesting and important things in this area is that everybody's just experimenting um and so there's these like core foundations that people are sort of aligning around and then trying to think what that could mean in different sort of like instances. Like one area with an NFT would be if an artist I like puts out a song with an NFT, um, I can buy the NFT, then that person knows who I am. Um, And then they can, you know, offer me into their members club or, or, you know, build a whole sort of experience around that.
0: With all those kind of concepts in mind, and then thinking about, the problems you mentioned the larger scale brick wall problems you see with the music industry do you think those two going hand in hand is what has created so much hype around web3 concepts blockchain concepts crypto concepts when applied to music industry and particularly publishing
1: yeah so, so, so yeah i mean i think music is uh is a fascinating in- industry in that like everyone has an opinion on it right um nobody thinks it works <laughs> and yet it's what it works better than it ever has done, right? <laughs> for most people mm. um so so yeah i think whenever there's any new technology like it the natural thing is to apply it to music and so a kind of an effect of there being a lot more hype around crypto over the past year is that it naturally gets applied to music so i think that's 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 quite a big part of it but i think that in terms of you know will it actually be useful for music which, which i think is possibly more the point of the question i think <sighs> who knows <laughs> it's i think um when, when i talk to people about this I, I try and set expectations around kind of where crypto is versus um where it needs to get to to actually be useful i think it's really in the experiment experimentation mm. phase you know i think the most promising future for crypto music is for a parallel industry to evolve with people who are actually interested in it um, and want to engage in it. And within that, you know, there's a certain amount of freedom to be able to redesign how things work. Invariably, that will probably end up looking very
0: similar to how the music industry works. But
1: yeah, there's there's some opportunity to do that.
0: You, yeah. see, you see that as a distinct and separate or interrelated or... A kind of branch off of the current industry how how do you see an independent crypto music industry either being birthed and growing or just functioning alongside what we now have
1: yeah i mean i think when when i when i think about this i think there's probably three phases to how this thing could develop and right at the, at the moment we're very much in that first phase uh, which is i call it initiation but it's essentially experimentation where if you're an artist most of your exposure most of your career is still going to be around streaming around live around you know sort of the traditional music industry if we're going to call it that but there's there's this new thing that people are experimenting in um and you if you have the opportunity to um then you know there's probably some pretty interesting um opportunities that you could get by experimenting there whilst doing the other stuff as well i think this phase is going to last a long time because um there's still a lot more stuff to be done. Like, you know, an example when looking at NFTs, for example, very rarely and 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 even when it is done, it's very crude. Um, there's no idea really around how splits of money would work. You know, some, some people have developed some things to be to be clear, but.
0: Do, do you mean we're having kind of a, a stake of ownership in a song as an NFT?
1: Yeah, so um, obviously um, if I'm an artist and I release an NFT, I get all the money for that how does the songwriter get paid <laughs> and at the moment there's not really much of a framework around that at all um you know you can uh, set up a split of money within the nft as it's sold so so the songwriter gets some money as part of that but then you know as we know the world isn't that simple um and uh, you know publishing splits are not an easy thing at all and they change and, uh, and they dependent on territory and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so in terms of kind of like where this stuff is now versus where we would need to get to be a scalable, fully functioning, um, system, there's a long way to go, but I think, you know, there's a lot of interest. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of smart people thinking about this stuff. And so, um, that's usually a good formula for, Mm. um, for stuff to happen. So I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident that people will keep experimenting um, and then sort of dominant models will start to emerge from that.
0: Um, what, what, what do you see as some of the most interesting experiments that are going on at the moment?
1: Going back to my point about what's the most important problem, um, it's about the size of the music industry. Um, and so for me, I think some of the most important experiments at the moment, or most interesting experiments at the moment around generating money for artists it, through different me- methods, I think um, uh, so two platforms, Catalog and Sound, are looking at different ways that artists can sell an NFT and raise capital through that, you know, be that at the beginning of their career or as part of a launch or whatever it is. And then thinking through what that could mean and what fans could get from that as part of the NFT. Again, it's really early. I think one of the biggest challenges you could throw at this is how sustainable is it? You know, there's a lot of money being generated through music NFTs at the moment. But is that just because it's such a hypey thing and actually, you know, it's not a sustainable way for an artist to raise capital. But, you know, it's experimentation. And so, so yeah, so I think that's one of the most interesting areas for it. But yeah, it's uh, Tick Follows talk on this. And uh, as as money gets generated, getting that to the people that should be paid, quote unquote, um, is is then the challenge that follows that, I think.
0: What's the next phase if we're in experimentation at the moment?
1: Well, I, I called it coexistence. Um, But I think there's a, you know, that this initiation phase blends into a into a phase whereby creators are living across both worlds and they essentially coexist as parallel industries. And uh, you know, there's some fans, there are some industry actors, there's you know, there's people who are interested in one area, and there's people interested in another area. Um, And you, as an artist, um, obviously you want to get your music out to as many places as possible. Therefore, it makes sense to to release across the spectrum right in the same way that you wouldn't just go on spotify and not radio so yeah so i think that's uh that that's probably where this leads to in the sort of like the foreseeable future where you know streaming continues to go continues to exist and um and artists release through that but also there's this crypto music industry evolving um, and you know you would be silly to not also be involved in that as well because there's a whole sort of community and supporter group uh, opportunities that are evolving there as well.
0: I, I can see the interest from the creator side, but mm-hmm. how does how does that look on the consumer side? Uh,
1: my, uh, uh, my my parents
0: are probably not going to
1: um, be interested in anything crypto anytime soon. Um, I mean, my dad got Spotify last week, uh, sorry, last, last year. So, um, so that's new for him before that he used to have CDs in his car. Um, and you know, he's going to continue to listen to music on Spotify for a very long time. Um, and so, you know, there will be a whole friendship group that are focused in that area. Alternatively, um, you know, kids who are coming up through now, um, and, you know, have known Bitcoin and crypto for most of their sort of adult life will be much more, um, Uh, we'll find that much more relatable in terms of how things work on the internet. And, uh, and so we'll be much more inclined to, to listen and interact and, and work within that way of doing things. So, so uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, there is a kind of like a big bucket of people who listen to music. And I think that uh, people will be more inclined to, to listen in different ways.
0: And then do you see that then growing into its own independent, you said coexistence and is then a kind of forking trajectory where you picture it going in the long run with two yeah. separate industries.
1: And so I think the coexistent part is what that means is that a crypto industry is essentially reliant on, on streaming to exist, you know, for, for an artist to want to engage in a crypto music industry, it's going to have to still release into the sort of more traditional streaming industry um, to, to be able to get the music out to enough people to listen to it. If, if this whole thing works, um, then, in theory, there will be a point that there's a flipping, and actually, a artist can solely exist within a sort of independent industry. But yeah, that one to me is a little bit less clear. You know, that's one way of reading it. Another way of reading it is that coexistence will is the final state. Mm-hmm. um And you know, kind of to my point before is that you know, fans are always gonna always gonna listen in the way that they want to. It would make no logical sense for you as an artist to um, to shut off. Um, a whole grouping group of fans
0: for music publishing specifically. What are the kind of short term ramifications or things that need to be thought through as we're in this initiation experimentation phase? So obviously, my
1: my heart in the music industry is is within the publishing world um, as that's where I've spent a lot of my time thinking through how things work. I think one of the biggest complaints of in publishing is that. It's 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 essentially a second class industry in the streaming world. It's you know, the, the songwriter, what's the famous quote, the songwriter is the first person to come up with something, but the last person to get paid. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that 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 is the case because of a myriad, myriad of reasons. Um, but probably more importantly than anything is that the unit of sale that is put through a streaming platform is separated to the rights that um, that get, you know, that, that pay us off, that, that pay publishing. How so do mean, that, how do you
0: mean? That, Just explain that bit. Uh,
1: it, I mean, if I if I'm if I'm a if I'm an artist, I can record a track, put it out on streaming, um, and then you know the job of publishing is then to try and catch that horse after oh, to, gotcha. obviously yeah it's way more complicated than that but you know to, to try and re- reduce it down a little bit so <clears throat> that's also my fear within this new emergent world is that um if an artist is creating an nft releasing it then if you're a publisher if you're a songwriter if you're somebody who a, pub, um, a producer if you're someone who was involved in the creation of that you're essentially then also having to try and catch the horse in the field mm. um so i think that it's very important for the publishing industry to to be up to speed with this whole thing as it's developing, and to think to be forward thinking in terms of what it means um, and the right role for publishing to play within it to make sure that you know it's doing its job. A songwriter is
0: being represented properly. So it it doesn't sound like a Web three approach can particularly redress that schism between publishers and recordings, publishing side and recording side necessarily? Um, I mean, it could. It could. It,
1: it, it, when you say redress, you mean in terms of just like, again, reducing it value split between um, recording and uh, publishing or?
0: Or more, more that if, if a fundamental issue for publishers or songwriters is the distinction between themselves and artists mm. and the controls that each party has separate, separately. Mm-hmm. And if that's a fundamental problem perhaps Web3 would just has to work around that somehow rather than being able to address it or formulate a better framework for those two parties to act within?
1: Yeah, so I think, um, again, this thing is an incredibly emergent thing and it can be whatever anybody wants it to be. Um, and so if those are the biggest challenges in publishing right now, and that, if that's what doesn't work right now, um, then to me, that's then kind of like the the rallying call to engage within this new emergent thing and make it work because yeah it, it could be anything like right now it's really been driven by uh by artists um because they have predominantly sort of like self-published uh singer-songwriter artists or you know uh, producers um because they have the freedom to experiment in that world and i think again i think one of my fears would be that the publishing industry said oh you know actually um this this whole thing we we don't like it um, and so we're going to stop our artists from engaging in it, and we're not going to engage in it ourselves. And 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 if that happens, then you know it continues to evolve, but in a way that isn't representing
0: mm. publishing in the right way. There's yeah. been uh, a lot of discussion. I mean, there's a time when you couldn't go to a conference without there being a good blockchain panel. I was probably talking about, most of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's like more heated discussion around blockchain as applied to rights and a database of rights. Mm-hmm. Is that viable? Is that not viable? Where's that discussion got to?
1: I mean, that's what we were, and I was really focusing on the Jack, was uh, taking this premise that blockchains are coordination machines. They allow for disparate parties to coordinate together. Um, one of the big problems we have in music is there's no GRD. And so, you know, can we use this new technology to incentivize people to engage in creating a, a rights network where they aren't incentivized to currently for the reasons I said before I mean I think like that's still one of the big hard hairy challenges that I uh that I would love for a solution to kind of evolve around but you know I'm I'm realistic in in terms of how hard that challenge is and you know how much effort it would be to build something around it so, yeah, I mean, uh, maybe not the most satisfying answer hmm. <laughs> um, is that I, I really hope there will be, but um, it's hard. It's really, really, really hard. The first challenge is getting enough people interested in the fact that there needs to be a rights network. Um, and then, then, then the hard work starts in terms of actually
0: designing that and building it. So blockchain isn't necessarily the silver bullet for that problem space.
1: No, I mean, I think, you know, there are some qualities to, to this new way of thinking about interactions between people that I think lends itself towards a solution in that area. But, you know, thankfully, we've got past the point where people are going on stage at a conference and saying we're going to put a blockchain on something and it's going to solve world hunger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a more realistic, well... Actually, I mean, we're, we're, we're probably on, at the peak of the bull cycle at the moment, so there's a lot of unrealistic things being said. Um, but, you know, I think that most people are being more realistic now around the fact that, you know, blockchains aren't going to save the world, but there are some qualities of the way that things work within that kind of, uh, within that way of thinking um, that could be useful for some of the challenges that we haven't found other solutions to.
0: If you were to list those out, what would those
1: helpful things be? So i say like, uh coordination is is such a hard thing in the digital world like you know in in the physical world if you want to work with somebody you meet them you can talk to them you can build a relationship up and then that kind of that serves as a foundation in terms of trust with regards to working with them whereas if you're working with people in the digital world that person could be anybody and so what i uh if, if you're building within a sort of decentralized blockchain enabled system then You know, there's certain qualities around that in terms of like transaction history, in terms of reputation within that system that that help with that. And then there's also ways that you can incentivize positive engagement through the use of things like tokens that that it would be too expensive or impractical to do otherwise. You know, if you were to get three people to come together around working together on something um, and if you're going to pay them a certain amount of money to do so, you can do that, but then if you wanted to involve sort of like staking mechanisms around that and... Uh, what's,
0: a, what's a staking mechanism?
1: Staking would be, you know, I am stating a claim on something and I'm going to put $2 on that, uh, which is my stake around that. And if you can prove that that's wrong, um, then I'm use that stake. So it's, it's about bringing more personal risk into interactions, um, which then is a sort of, um, is an abstraction of trust that you would have otherwise. So trust is the kind of key tenet, it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, trust on the internet is, um, is a very difficult thing to get right, as you can see in every walk of life. That, that's, that's kind of the sell of crypto is you can't trust people, but if they're putting their financial value at risk, then that provides some guarantees around that and you know provides some proxy around trust.
0: You also have quite a cool concept about a post-royalties world. Um, mm. because explore that a little bit and how you see the issues with our current frameworks and where you think a web3 framework might better address those issues
1: it started out as a bit of an absurdist sort of like thing it's like the the music industry runs on royalties but maybe it shouldn't <laughs> and then they kind of developed it from there but yeah i mean like the core sort of like tenant of this is the rights picture is so complicated and is, you know, it's is really difficult. The um the way that people are monetized from streaming is um is so power centric. um And the bottom end of that um, makes it very difficult for um, anybody above a certain size to make any or some money from streaming. And so the, the sort of like the ingoing thesis was um, as new creators continue to come in, in sort of, essentially exponential levels into this new industry it makes less and less sense for them to engage in this financial system where they're not really going to get any value unless they uh, or very few of them will get any value from
0: because they're more likely to be in the long tail
1: yeah 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 which is growing 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 the music industry is growing up i have no idea I'd say 5% a year um but the number of creators is growing up you know hundreds of percent a year um so you know it's fairly simple to see how that one plays out. Um, And so it was thinking about, well, okay, if, 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 if people coming into this industry are less um, are going to see less and less logic around actually being involved in this, then maybe they'll look for alternatives. And so maybe actually the entire concept of royalties as a means of payment become, makes less and less sense for these people. And so what other, what other ways could they make money? And so then that has kind of led into this kind of crypto thinking really. And, you know, is that is that another way that creators could start to generate value for themselves?
0: Which I guess the NFT wave slightly speaks into, like the yeah. lack of live, the focus on the economics of streaming for creators, and then alongside this, a way that they can monetize fandom. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, crypto is one area of that. And there are other areas, right? I mean, sort of Twitch being a very good example of, of where creators have managed to monetize what they're doing, um, separate to kind of like the traditional rails of how money is generated in music, yeah. um, and and there's the whole sort of like creative economy thing around that, which um, you know was in itself a very hypey topic of conversation uh, over the past year. Yeah, so I, I think there's a lot of different ideas out there, um, and uh, and it, that that kind of article was really around the, this kind of idea of taking a step back and just thinking about the really hard stuff and, you know, thinking about, um, slightly more madcap solutions around, um, how things could be done uh, on, on this topic as well. I think there's a, there's a kind of like a, an emerging dividing line between, um, those that royalties works for and those that royalties doesn't work for. And, uh, and to my point around coexistence, you know, they it, it probably evolves into a thing where once you get to a certain size, actually royalties are interesting to you, but before that point, they're not, there's another point here around kind of like the downsides of royalties, um, specifically around the restrictions that kind of the rights picture that is required for royalties puts on you as a creator, um, in terms of like who you can work with, where you can release all that kind of stuff.
0: Do you think as a kind of closing thought? copyright in general is something that is incongruent with the way crypto wants to go
1: so i think that subject is such a fascinating subject so i think in terms of copyright there's the, the, i think you can split up into sort of like attribution you know making sure that people are attributed to a work and then kind of like the rights that are that that you're allowed to do with that work i think um it's an area that is kind of been sort of like poked at with a stick a little bit in sort of like the crypto world but there's a huge lack of knowledge in terms of actually what copyright is in in sort of crypto um and uh, you know that's that's it's really obvious like you know um the uh bored apes club and uh, crypto punks being a very good example of where People bought things and thought they could do things with things, but actually they can't. And then it becomes a whole shit show. Can copyright work with crypto? Is is kind of like the question. And um, I think it has to. As, as things become increasingly online, you know, IP becomes increasingly important because you know the internet is driven by attention, um, and uh, what IP is very good at is driving attention. Um, and so I would argue it becomes increasingly important. And so if any kind of crypto system is going to evolve. It needs to work with that. The flip side being, if everything is entirely digital, then, um, you know, copyright and legal structures are reliant on enforceability. And, you know, if, if everything is interacting in a digital world, there's no physical courts, um, then I think it becomes harder and harder to enforce. So it's a really, really complex question mm. and, and, and area. It's something that's going to be debated and discussed and, and thought about, you know, for the next 10 years. In the digital world that we know, um, there are off ramps from digital to physical. You know, when people are pulling money out, when people are interacting in a physical way, um, and that's where courts can interact and, and, um, and enforce. But if people are living in an entirely digital world, potentially pseudo- pseudonymously, um, then it's really hard. Like you don't have that bridge anymore. It's very interesting.
0: Are there any good resources you can recommend for people in music publishing to dig a bit deeper into crypto?
1: The best resource that's evolving at the moment is probably water and music. Um, Sherry Hughes thing, which I'm pretty sure you told me to sign up to, actually. I, yeah, I, I am taking credit for that. <laughs> We've gone full cycle. Uh, um, yeah, so Sherry's thing is uh, started out as like an independent sort of like research um, uh, journalist thing Um, and it's kind of evolved over a number of years and uh, the last year they've really started to focus in on crypto and what that means and I think that's a really really interesting resource in terms of the intersection of music and crypto in terms of like more general technology and strategy and stuff um, my go-to is always going to be Stratechery uh, by Ben Thompson but that's a more general thing if I was going to tell anybody to read two things it would be those two things
0: and of course, your own blog.
1: Of course, my own blog, which is um, inconsistent and, uh, <laughs> and spluttering. And um, I, I put it out when I managed to think of something. But uh, yeah, so that's just
0: substack. Brilliant. Well, I enjoy it at least, as, in, as inconsistent <laughs> as, it, as, it, as it comes. <laughs> um, cool. All right. All right. We, we finished with the, the same set of fire questions. Mm-hmm. So jump into those. First one. What single piece of advice would you give someone starting out in music publishing?
1: Understand how P.R.O.'s work um, because they're key to everything.
0: Brilliant. What book podcast resource has had the most influence on your perspective?
1: Uh, I guess in recent years, Stratechery um, and understanding how this web two has evolved and sort of aggregators and all that kind of thing.
0: And finally,
1: what's your favorite song? Um, Favourite song? Okay. Got two answers to this. One favourite song is probably Freedom by Rage Against the Machine. Um, And uh, favourite thing to listen to, which wasn't the question, but uh, the uh, Nicholas Yar um, boiler room YouTube video is something I go back to every week and I think it's beautiful. Amazing. Wow. (laughs) You had those those ready? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I guess... (laughs)
0: Wow, what a fantastic overview um, for us of where Web3, blockchain, crypto has got to and where it might go as well. It was so fascinating picking these things over with Dan. Listening back, I was struck by not only how strategic his thinking has been, but also how balanced it is. For example, whatever your thoughts are on his perspective on the phases that you know we are in or might be coming, I thought his con- quite considered points on the value of collaboration or trust on the internet and also his pragmatism around rights databases and NFTs. I thought um, thought that was pretty thought-provoking. As well as his own blog, danfowler.substack.com, where you can find his essay on a post-royalties world. He also mentioned water and music, which is a fantastic community of the kind of intersection of music and tech. And also Ben Thompson's Stratechery, which is S-T-R-A-T-E-C-H-E-R-Y.com please do get in touch we'd love to hear from you and get your feedback on this episode and also the other episodes Um, what you like what you don't like or what you'd like to hear more of Um, you can reach out via our instagram at npa futures group or via the futures group facebook group we're super keen for these episodes to be a great resource and a key part of that is making sure that we're hitting the right mark we want to be exploring areas that are super interesting to you so please do get in touch I'm looking forward to the next episode already. I super enjoyed listening back through this one, and I hope you've taken as much from it as I did. Uh, My name is Henry Marsden, and thanks again so much for listening to this episode of the MPA Futures Group.